Dimp Digital presents Idle Game Chat. Cool. Logan, I wanted to reel off a number of headlines that are linked in some way. I'm sure you'll spot why they're linked in my head and what's going on and then ask you a very open question, probably lead you on like I usually do with several reasons why and then let you waffle. But here we go. Yeah. And we're all going to do is do the headlines. Nothing I know else. where this is going because I was going to ask you about this pre-podcast if we were going to cover it and I thought I don't need to. I'm sure we're going to and I'm already predicting the question you're going to ask and I'll, I'll be really intrigued if it's not what I think well, it is I'll okay. be really cool okay so this is not a exhaustive list or headline mm. reading but it's here to demonstrate a potential trend okay yeah 2k has laid off a group of developers at visual concepts because oh, is this what you thought it was going to be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's I good. St- it's been, honest, so I'll let you reel them off, but it literally feels like every day there's been like a new set of... Yeah. yeah so yeah. go on. Uh, uh, laid off a group of developers at Visual Concepts, Austin. Sega is reportedly laying off more than 10% of their American staff. Microsoft is cutting 1,900 staff across Xbox, Bethesda, and Activision Blizzard. Embracer confirms it has now laid off 1,400 employees, and more cuts could be coming. Electronic Arts is laying off 5% of its workforce. Life is Strange sequel developer developer Steck9 lays off 20% of staff. PlayStation is cutting around 900 staff worldwide, around 8% of its entire workforce. And then there's actually, a, I've never normally go here, but Kotaku have created almost, I think they claim it's an exhaustive list. Obviously, I've not checked that they've got everything on here, but it's got a lot of others on here as well. They're, by their metric, there's been over 8,100 layoffs, just, what are we, 60-odd 60, 60, 60 days into the year? Mm. Um. And as you mentioned there, it does seem like every day or every week or every other week, there's an announcement of cuts, cost cutting and what's what not in, in the video game industry. It's happening in other industries as well. I saw Sainsbury's were at it the other day. Mm. So we're talking about supermarket profit margins. Maybe theirs is a bit lower than Tesco's and they've, they've, hit, they've struggled there. Mm. Well, I guess my the overriding question is what's going on and potential reasons for that and there'll be more than just one reason obviously but is this a is this a correction of a covid bubble you know a, an uplifting demand and then that not sustaining because people had to go back to bloody work didn't they is it a bad outlook for the way the health of the industry at the moment for video games are are is there a financial peril within the industry itself that's not potentially sustainable is it just Dog shit economics across the, the globe. No one seems happy, but then I always say no one's ever happy. When was the last time you ever spoke to anyone? Yeah, back in the 80s. Fuck me. I was really affluent yeah. then. Everyone's the always is, moaning. Everyone does do that. Everyone goes, oh, it was so... And you go, back then. And I remember... 40% interest rate. Yeah, where interest rates overnight <laughs> went up like something ridiculous. And everyone went, well, I'm fucked. I can't afford my mortgage. Literally, there's nothing I can do here. No. Um, <laughs> like... I think broadly this has always been the case. I think 
I feel like we've had it pretty good in some ways. Like I, I take away the past five years, right? But up until like 2020, like that period from like 2001 or 2000, where there's always doubt around the Y2K and all that sort. Of, that period of time was relatively stable. So it's been this like period of almost sustained big growth financial for crash. Years. 2008 nearly killed everyone. Yeah, but it didn't. Like, it's sort of more of a bubble. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's been, like, minor bubbles, but there's nothing that's been sort of catastrophic. And I think, broadly, a lot of um, a lot of industries are cyclical as well. So things, like, they'll chuck resource at it, and then the economy, demand, whatever, contracts, and they have to go, well, the staff has to contract with it. Mm. Um and it kind of is just the way it goes. The weird thing specifically here feels like it's it's heavily happening in almost every game studio and big companies. Like it's not just like yeah. a game's failed or a studio's failing and they're making cuts or whatever. It's literally like big companies that have had a lot of success cutting numbers. Um, I think a lot of companies chucked resource and just went to people as the immediate solution to anything during COVID. And I think there is still a, you know, a, a large portion of businesses that are probably running a bit hot in terms of overall numbers. I was trying to figure out whether there's like some sort of like financial reporting deadline or something where they have to make the numbers up and or forecast for next year. And to do that, they have to get rid of and lower their wage bill because that's ultimately the biggest cost, like ongoing yeah. cost that every company has to control. So it's the easiest way to make the numbers look better. Um, so I think there's a load of different factors, but probably I reckon the main one is cooking the books. Mm. Do you think, how many of these people do you think are redeployed somewhere across the industry? Well, I don't think that. Well, redeployed across the industry. Yeah, so so yeah, you go and work at another studio, and you know, because the headlines are always, you know, it's eight thousand one hundred and counting have been Mm. laid off, which is factually true. But does it tell Mm. the whole story if a large proportion of those are able to seek work elsewhere? I don't know. That's the case. It's never reported on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they will get. You know, for those eight thousand one hundred people that have been laid off, there'll be ten thousand jobs open. That they. Do you know what I mean? Like that. I think there will always be. Well, at least it always seems to be the way that for every company that's cutting, there's one that's trying to grow, right? I think that's always the way. So I don't think it's a case of, oh, there's 8,000 people that are never going to get a job again. It's kind of like, you know, if I looked out there for my role, like if they made me redundant, there's probably 10 roles I could apply for straight away. So I assume it's similar-ish. I mean, obviously, if you're a senior person, the more senior you get, the likelihood of the role being open is... It's smaller because they're obviously a smaller amount of senior roles. They've made they enough are. money already. They should have been more prudent with their cash if they've been sitting there at executive levels and they're like, oh, I'm, I'm uptight now. What? It's what they do. The easiest well, level to cut always is middle management. Yeah. They go, well, dude, what are you doing? And they cut them. And they, then they, then they realise what they're doing and they go, right, we need to get John and Alan back because they were stopping the ship from coming up and now I'm having to deal with it. Um, <laughs> they don't want to deal with the toot, do they? No, they so they, get, they they make the cuts and then they go, oh, you know, I can't be dealing with this. So we'll get John and uh, John and Alan in. Um, but I think a lot of industries broadly have overhired over the past few years, and they're trying to tech the in particular. Trying, sorry, tech yeah, in tech, particular. Really, tech is, yeah, it's because it, everyone had to scale and get things immediately available 
like virtually and digitally. And yeah. they, the, the easiest and quickest way to do it is chuck numbers at it. Like, and then you've got to deal with that. And you kind of hope that people will naturally leave and deal it through, deal with it through attrition. But then when that doesn't, you know, you get some people that are a bit more sticky, you go, right, get out. Mm. Like, and it's, you know, that's a really brutal way of putting it. There's obviously people's jobs and families and livelihoods at, at stake here. But, um, you know, it's never nice. But this is what I say to people. Companies, and they speak about loyalty to companies and stuff like that. It's like, honestly, as soon as your surplus requirements, other than maybe the odd few cases, they'll go, thanks, see you later. And you're gone. You're out the door. And that is the brutal nature of uh, working for, for corporate entities in this life. Um, but it's, you know, I have to say, like, it's not just happening in the gaming world. Like, I've seen it broadly across finance and, as you say, like, pretty much most areas have, have, have had it. But you only hear about the negatives. Like, you only hear, mm. oh, so-and-so are cutting a thousand jobs. You don't go, oh, so-and-so's posted and looking for a... An extra fifteen hundred, like you don't ever hear of that. You just it's, hear of the the cuts. In some industries, you do. Like I remember seeing, like there was a, there was a, I can't remember who it was now. Someone in the financial sector. They were they were doing a restructure, and there's like, yeah, we're mm. gonna be. Re-. Essentially, it was like we're doing a restructure. In effect, three thousand people or whatever it was, mm. but there'll be a net increase in roles. But the the net increase of roles was for specialist people in technical spaces. So actually a lot mm. of like you would say, like probably middle management people wouldn't ever be appropriate for that role. Yeah. So they wouldn't mm. they wouldn't get redeployed. But you don't mm. really get that in this industry. It's kind of like right and even even at the end of a game cycle or end of a project, once the game's done, the need to continue having that amount of people, unless you've immediately got wheels spinning mm. for the next project or if it's a live service type deal. Yeah, yeah, you often see people roll off and, and go on to other projects. There's a lot of freelancers, mm. a lot of independent contractors. I was gonna going to say, on. it must be like more of a contracting industry where you're in on a 18-month, yeah. two-year contract to deliver something, and then you know that. Like You see in a lot of industries, like you're brought in like regulatory change and project management and all that kind of stuff. Like You, you kind of work on one thing, and then you roll off, and you know you're rolling off. You're not yeah. there. You're not expecting that. Um, so I don't know how much of these sort of jobs are in that bucket. I mean, normally you, you'd assume it's not contract staff or, as you say, like freelance people, but it could be. Um, but as I say, obviously games are cyclical. I think some of the announcements were interesting as well, though, because it referenced like, um, like obviously they're can, can in a Star Wars game. Um, yeah. that Respawn were doing and there's several things like that where it seems like there's there's some strategic things if you like that haven't really worked out as they intended or they're not progressing with because of cost so it appears to be in my view at least something to do with controlling cost either for this year or, or next I'm not sure which one it is yeah. Wolf here there he's he is he's to investigate it's normally means to check it out he's been to toilet so he shouldn't really be in here should you Dave just having a little look around. Yeah, he doesn't like this room. Here's all the shower yeah. from Helldivers coming out, and he's like, what's going on in there? Well, understandably, you would say. When he's trying to get to um, sleep at 3 a.m. <laughs> but, yeah, I think broadly for the industry, it's, you know, obviously, I wouldn't say it's worrying. It's just strange that everything's been announced. And I, I haven't really tied to the reason why, but I, it feels like it's probably to do with some sort of financial rebalancing or positioning either for the end of a year or for the beginning of one and they need to get things in line we'll use the word need to do they actually need to or they just like 
we want a certain we want to hit a certain profit mar- milestone and it's this not the we don't, one you we don't to need the to we're not going to go under and end the business but we want to hit x expectations for shareholders or whatever it might be we want to pay out yeah. dividends and in order to do that we've got, yeah. so it's not actually the need is not a life or death or a you know we're going to close job it's it's more out of you know the desire for growth usually well, the need is always driven by the numbers, like largely. So you get people that sit in the room, make up, I wouldn't say like arbitrary figures, but they go, right, we get, we need to make, I don't know, say $2 billion in, in profit this year. Something ridiculous, right? Yeah. And they've chucked that out there. They put that out there at the beginning of the year. And what happens is their share price goes up on accordance that they, they're saying they're going to make all this profit. So then if they look at it halfway through the year and they go, oh, we're off track on that. When yeah. they announce that, and when it when it comes out in the press, their share price dips. Yeah, and everyone loses a load of money. People lose faith in the stock. Do you know what I mean? So everything is largely driven by these companies by, like, maintaining the credibility of the forecasts that they say versus what they're delivering. And obviously, if there are certain macroeconomic effects that mean they can't get there, then that. That everyone goes, oh, okay. It weren't poor management. It wasn't poor decision making. It was just unfortunate economic situations or, or whatever. Do you know what I mean? And it, it doesn't affect it. But I think sometimes they look at it and they go, that game is not going to get us. Or that that project, whatever it is, we need. You know, they go to Alan and John and go, Alan, we ain't making the numbers. We've got a big, like we need to make up, make it look a little bit better. So we need to get rid of X amount of people and go off and make it so. Like, and I think sometimes that is just the reality of it. Like, yeah, need is driven by their targets and obviously all these people are accountable to a board and shareholders so they'll go what are you doing about it how are you getting us our returns and they go well steve and joe and bobby over there are all out of jobs hey, why am i so... going out of a job <laughs> so, Jesus. So there you go cut um mm. but yeah it's it's um it's not good because i think when you see this project's being cut, so things that we potentially mm. might get to play are not going to come to fruition. You know, not everyone was asking for a Star Wars game made by Respawn, but I'd have been sniffing. Um, well, they've done, yeah, they've done those, what's the name, didn't they? Those Star mm. Wars Jedi... So they called Star Wars Jedi, I think. Jedi Knight? I can't remember. Star Wars Jedi Fallen mm. Order and Star Wars Jedi, whatever the other one was. I haven't played the sequel, but yeah. I mean, it sounded like in amongst this for EA as well, there was a Mandalorian type game that was lost mm. and I think that always seems like I don't know, it seems like low hanging fruit to me that it's some sort of Mandalorian game with different armour and weapons and you know, I'm already thinking like how that could be, mm. how progression could be implemented which every game demands these days <clears throat> Yeah, and yeah it looks like that's going away or maybe they'll be re- retooled in some way but it's crazy to think that you know all those the, the reasons you explained there for the, the profit side of things and, and for the big business side of things that if you scale that down to a small privately owned studio or business, they mm. couldn't, I mean, they couldn't just go, oh, well, we're going to cut headcount because we want to grow more. Like they, they, Their first and foremost priority is just sustaining the business mm. and therefore cutting people is sometimes detriment. No, exactly. Yeah. And it's, uh, I think that's sometimes the interesting thing, right? It's kind of like you, you said there, cutting people to grow. I don't think it's cutting people to grow. I mean, no, you know, I've seen it before where they just go, we're going to have to sink time and money into that and it might not provide the return we want. So sometimes you just have to cut your losses. And 
I think some of these bigger studios especially will try stuff. Like they'll go, we'll try it and see how we go. But they're also big enough to cut the losses on it if it ain't going the way that they want it to or if the budget for whatever reason isn't going to permit that continued investment, then they'll just go cut it. Yeah. Um, and it seems quite brutal because, as you say, I've, you know, people literally lose their jobs over it. But if it ain't, there's also an argument sometimes. I'm not saying they're a fault, but if it's not delivering and it's not along the lines that they wanted it to be, like arguably the people that are accountable for delivering that are also, you know, if they haven't made it to where the, the board or whoever senior management expected it to be, then is it right their jobs are cut because they haven't met the expectation in some way. And I'm not saying that's always the way, but, um, you know, I think essentially a lot of businesses overhired. They might have tried some different things. Um, You know, you've got some big names in there, Sony, Microsoft. Clearly they're not hard up for cold, hard cash. So maybe that's just a result of trying things. And I also wonder whether there's an element of we'll just get lost in the sea of it. Because if it's just Sony that comes out with it, and they're out there on their own, right? But if there's a sea of people announcing it, yeah, you know, let's get it out there whilst it's might as well. It's well, yeah, just add to the to the bucket because you, you, there's less focus. So I wonder if it's a little bit opportunistic as well. Oh yeah, it's, Maybe, it's, um, it's similar to the the price hike from sixty UK pounds to seventy UK pounds. The first people to do it were crapped on. By the time yeah. Microsoft came around and said they were going to do it, it was shoulder shrugging because the the damage had already been done for the other. Yeah, optically. If you're if you're mm. going first, you're going to be under the cosh. But be interesting to see if this is a is that if there is some sort of shift. I mean, there's talking about budgets of video games, particularly in Sony's house, being way too much and not sustainable at all. Mm. Like, are we going to see slightly scaled down games? Does Does Spider Man Two need to cost two hundred million dollars more than Spider Man OG? Not what sure. do they get that signed off? Like, because you've already done. Now I don't understand. I am by far the least technical here. I think, but like you've already done the groundwork. Yeah, the city's like, half done in, at least. Is there? Yeah. Like, all you're doing is is sort of remodeling, and you know, obviously, there's additional things. All that those suits, mate, modeling. they take time. All those dozens and dozens of non-canical suits that they've added. I don't make... need that many. No. At least fifty percent of those could be cut. Don't in my need view. any more, as far as I'm concerned. But that's mm. that. Anyway, I don't know if we'll report back on this. It may just be something that happens every couple of weeks. So, um, I thought we should touch on it. We have no, mm. no real knowledge as to what's going on. It's all guesswork, as it is for every other article you've read out there. So don't be believe speculation and innuendo. Absolutely. This is Idle Game Chat, Dimp Digital's flagship video game podcast. We are available on your favourite podcast app on YouTube, completely free. Uh, although, if you if your favourite podcast app is Google Podcasts, apparently that's going away. I had our podcast host um, send us an email. They sent it to, not a personal email. They sent it to everyone, obviously. And it was like, be aware that Google Podcasts is going away. So, I think YouTube are going to pick up the baton there because they've they started to add podcast playlists about six months ago. So it'll be interesting where that goes. But the, again, once again, Google Podcasts, they've tried several times and can't seem to get it off the ground. But they do have YouTube, which is a, a great source of video and audio content. So will there be some synergy there? Could you like watch it at home and then seamlessly just listen to it on the go? But I suspect that will require a YouTube premium 
subscription for that because you can't you can't watch those videos or listen to them with a unless it's, premium youtube i've only used it for when it's free like when they offer a free yeah. month and it is i mean the amount yeah. of the amount i watch on it actually would make sense than some of the other subscriptions that are getting wheeled out for 12 quid a month but yes the principle of it annoys me because it's been yeah. it's a free service in my head and that's how it'll always be and the yeah. ads the ads are becoming more obnoxious like i put it on yesterday mm. 45 seconds it said it had a countdown of ads and about four of them it used to be just yeah. one five second one so they're really trying to push you in that direction but i'm like look yeah. not yet I need to offer I some have this i don't mind having ads because i think i know that they are the ones that are putting the money in the pocket of the person that's providing the content. And if I'm not going to do it, I think they should get it from somewhere. But I agree. I don't, I, for some reason in my head, can't justify that. Even though the most content I consume is probably via YouTube, mm. I refuse to pay out of my pocket for it. I think no. it's overly expensive as well. But I, it isn't really. Like I'd still get good value from it. But I always, in principle, think if I can get something for free and watch an ad, that seems more economical way of doing it but there you yeah. go i just thought i'd ask if you've and you have got exactly the same frame of mind that i have with it yeah the problem they've got on the podcast front is like i said the the only way if you want to listen to something you can but you have to have, unless you've got youtube premium you have to have the video open yeah. streaming now if you've got youtube mm. premium you can close it on your phone and have it run in the background basically but that's locked behind the paywall and podcasts mm. inherently work like that you can download them off through an app like Podcast Addict, which I use on your device, and you just play them whenever. That's the whole point in my eyes. Mm. So I don't know what they're going to do. Be interesting. Maybe they won't. Maybe they'll just leave it as it is and think this isn't worth the paper it's written on. Cause... I'll just say pick it up through Spotify because yeah. that solves that problem. You get a, a bunch of ads, and then you can listen to half hour without it but puck, uh, poking its nose in. And I think that is the the way to be doing it. But obviously, if you've got YouTube Premium and that's your preferred method of of yeah. taking it but as you say there are also lots of other free alternatives out there or cheap alternatives yeah, i think, I, I, think I, I think podcast addict was free and then i paid it's like you know it's like one pound fifty or something yeah, it's like, yeah. this is like, now I'm, I'm, that's the only thing i use i don't need to use anything else but because it picks um, up the feed right like this is, is what i mean it's not like it's you don't need to locked be out they're open apis yeah. um no exactly so it's on all those anyway. This podcast and and you and it's on Facebook lurking. It's still some old. What are you doing, Davey? Sat down now. Good lord, he ain't gonna go away. I don't think. But um, yeah, you find it. Just put in Idle Game Chat, and you'll find it somewhere. Well, if you stumbled across this, you must have found it to start with. So just go back to that source. Would be my suggestion. Those algorithms will will bring it forward. Wow, Berrius, because we keep saying the word cunt. If you want to support us, this is a grassroots and independent endeavour. Head over to patreon.com forward slash dimp digital and join the community. Hashtag hand in pocket. And who knows, you could send us fan mail like the sniffometer, the official dimp digital sniff. I'm not sure how and when to use this, more honest. Well, I think when we're talking about upcoming games. But we don't, really. Well, no. We talk about them potentially in the FGL. That's and the then place I'm thinking. That- Maybe it's got to be. Maybe after that, we have to give a rating ourselves based on the scores. We do talk about some games. Occasionally, mainly, but they're special occasions. They are, yeah, you're right. They'll be reserved for like the Grand Theft Autos of the yeah, world. Exactly. And... Hmm. Yeah, exactly. Well, anyway, let's, let's see. We've got the uh, FGO update coming here. 
Um, what we got? Brothers, a tale of two sons. There's nothing in the so you and paper feet up. Yeah, nothing's happened. Yeah. It's still three, four, eight to paper, two, six, six to you. He's got four games out. You've got three. It's as simple as that. It's like an eighty-two point delta. So you know, close. Can easily make that up. Can easily make it up. Can easily blow it. It's not. Mm. You know, it's one of those. It's not a unsustainable lead. It's not a a lead. What that Sir be... Alex would say is, you want the points in the bag, though. Yeah, you don't. Yeah. He's right about that. Because <laughs> you don't know what's going to happen, do you? Yeah. Yeah. The goal difference as well. It was it's Heartbreak City when Aguero comes along. Anyway, Brothers A Tale of Two Sons. Pac-Man Adcock got an 81. So this had some controversy because actually when I originally posted the score, Open Critic were putting the remake reviews under the under the first game's review page. And I didn't notice. I just didn't even... And Adkins spotted it, as he always does, because he's got no life. And at that point, there was no remake page. Eventually, the remake page was made. The the score went up. So, you know, Adcock happy. Adkins may have given away a few points there. But um, it's sitting on an 81. It's a remake of the original. Let's find something. Jim Argreaves, the sixth... Axis. What was it? Owen Hargreaves, wasn't it? Yeah. His Ten- dad. Tendonitis. Uh-huh. Could be. He looks a bit young. Tendonitis in the knees, wasn't it? He had they all treat all me like a guinea pig, he said. <laughs> I think he had shin splints as well for a long period of time. He was... A, he, that is an appalling he, like shin splint. I don't know if you ever had it, but... Apparently it itches, doesn't it, or something? I, yeah, it's... I, just, I mean, I've had it occasionally, but I'm not an athlete. But I'm like... It really is just... A strange phenomenon that I can't wrap my head around. Like I don't, I don't think there's anything you can do about it. It's just it just fucking hurts mm. for no reason. I'm not even sure it's damaging you in any way. It's just it's just this pain when you when you yeah. So I don't be wishing that on people if they can help it. Anyway, our griefs, a brothers, a brothers, brothers, a tale of two sons was hardly in need of a remake. However, replaying the game more than a decade after it, after its debut, where every inch has been beautifully crafted anew, has been a delightful experience and one we can finally share with a second player. We just wish there was more of it. So perhaps a short runtime, which might interest people when there's the bloatvilles of Final Fantasy VII Rebirth lurking. Mm. Um, 8 out of 10 from Hargreaves, which is kind of in line with that. Did you ever play this back in the day? I assume you didn't, because this was... This was over a decade ago. Logan's, I don't know what he's up to gaming-wise. Probably Pro Evo might be lurking. But I know, definitely not that. It's 15, 20 years yeah. ago. But I remember seeing this back in the day. I was like, oh, I'll play that one day. And then never did. So in terms of Sniffometer, it could be lurking for me if I get this fucking thing right. I don't know if I got that right. Have I? It's fucking... And it's serious. Blurring yeah, it that's, out. That's the trouble with this. Uh... Here we go. Oh, there you go. A bit lower in it. I'll put it there. I, yeah, I think I think for me it's probably... I feel bad classing it as Turp, but it's probably around the well to the Turp. I did see it. I've seen it around, but there was nothing there that that really made me... like. There's nothing about it that makes me go, yeah, I should pick that up. Like It needs to really buzz me, and it, it didn't. So... Can't imagine I would pick two this player up, co-op but... could replace the division. I mean, that's got potential. I'll always co-op's always good fun if it's got a bit of a throwaway story and it's just 
fun yeah. to play, then why not? But um, I'd have 12, to have a proper look. See what it's pound eighty on the Xbox Store. Okay, it needs to go on that Game Pass. <laughs> so for one month's subscription fee, you could have it and own it outright. I'm already paying the subscription fee. Well, it's a why, why though? Let's now we get into that question, aren't we? It's going in the bin next year for me. So that won't cool. be. A, I ain't dealing with it. I'm sick of it. I've had enough. Gonna vote vote with his wallet. Yeah, it's a good question actually. One that I haven't really asked myself of late. No. But um, I will. I get you up. To be honest, it's not going to get a look in these days. At the moment with. As I said, Final Fantasy Seven Rebirth just come out fresh off the heels of that. A few hours in that 120 already. hours. Well, it'll take me longer, so 150 hours probably know me. And then obviously Helldivers is still lurking for people. It's got a consistent daily player count from within mm. the Dimp and Friends realm. So that's yeah. something I can hop on. Even like, So yesterday I played Final Fantasy Seven Remake, Rebirth. Like That's the new fresh game. And then I even stopped for a bit and was like, you know what, I'm just going to do 45 minutes hell dives. I went in, no one was online, just jumped into a random game to help mm-hmm. someone, did their operation the last two, and then walked out. And I was like, that's it. And that's what it can become. Yeah. Clev- clever from Arrowhead. Yeah, it is um, It is almost palate cleanser territory, midday palate cleanser. But it can fulfil both. It can also be the main event. It's an interesting one. Yeah, I agree. Splatoon side order. So this is a DLC enhancement. This is coming from Matey Boy Parky, who's uh, been quiet. He's on the Hell Dives as well, lurking. So mm. even he's been yeah. been rammed into it. The most unfortunate Hell Diver, may I add. Is he? Does he get stung? Does he a lot? He's really, yeah. He's, I feel bad for him. <laughs> I mean, I always say it's your own fault, and I've said that to you when those eagles come flying on your head, but it. Yeah, mm. they, I think they were going to track like every stat at one point, like how long your average hell divers life expect all this stuff. They didn't, you know, they scoped mm. out the game, but it would have been interesting to, to see people's stats, like mm. strengths versus weaknesses and whatnot. But mm. yeah, he's got this expansion pass side order sitting on a seventy-eight. Let's go to Metro Game Central, the Nintendo nerds. Uh, yep. They've given it to Skynet. There's no one named for this. Another fun piece of Splatoon single-player DLC with an interesting mix of third-person shooter and roguelike that would have been much better as a main story mode from the start. So they've criticised it at the end there. 7 out of 10, which probably means it's a 4 out of 10 if it's like that from them. So that's no good. In terms of Sniffometer, that can go right in the blower section because that's never going to get picked up from me. Never. Because I haven't got the base game. No. No intention of getting the base game. What's this really doing now? Running round. But yeah, it's a shame for them. It's not a bad score for Parkett. It's his, it's his last game on his list. So it's right down his pecking order. Mm. And the 78, I think, in that Grand Prix. And remember, he was sixth in the ranking. So it was the very last game that was dropped yeah. on the list. And there's worse games further up the list we saw with Biff sitting there with 44s. So, <laughs> you know, Parky can't be too dissatisfied with that, sitting on a, on a 78. Mm. Next one, Terminator Dark Fate Defiance. Salmon lurking to yep. drop this one in. Now, it hasn't got many reviews. It's got six, I think. So this score take with a pinch of salt, but it's on a 77. And it was on an 83 or 84 even the other day. So it's already dropped. I think one of that is because IGN have taken a big old shit on it. 
John Balding has come along. And he said, Terminator Dark Fate Defiance may look the part, but the obnoxious mission design and confused campaign structure of this RTS just aren't worth your time. So there's a question here. He's the outlier. All the others are in the eights. And there's, as I said, there's mm. only like five others there. And even IGN Italy, 8.5. So Andrea Giagani. Gion... Oh, good Lord. Gion Gianni. Yeah, that's about right. He's given it an 8.5. So my question is, has John just struggled with this and can't pick up the basics? He seems like the, a real heavy outlier. And I know the, the sample size is small, but... Mm. To say it's when people say confusing and obnoxious, I think, have you struggled? Yeah, yeah. Have, you, have you struggled yeah. with basics? Because I've seen people not mm. reading fucking tutorials and then complaining that they don't know how things work. Well, yeah, I mean, I, you know, anything. I wonder if he's like rushed through it. Let's see. It, Let's see if he's a rusher. <laughs> well, he reviewed anything since November, so it ain't that hard up for time. <laughs> and he's just uh, just picked this one up, which is yeah. weird. Um, Pathetic. Yeah, I mean, it, it feels like he might have struggled with it. But you, this is what Open Critic flushes out largely, and the idea of it is it. Yeah. It gives you the mean, the mean, average. I don't know if that's right or not. It gives you the average. It gives you some that's to work off. Yeah. yeah. So the idea is it flushes out the idiocy or the cluelessness or subjectivity and gives you a holistic health check um and it sounds like john Meyer struggled <laughs> yeah he's not had a good time is he and just to be fair to dark dark fate defiance here is andrea gian gianni 8.5 terminator dark fate defiance is an intense and elaborate strategic game on par with other deep military simulations so they kind of speak in a language of mine that i am partial to these rts's and a Terminator-style game sounds intriguing because mm-hmm. I do like that franchise, yeah. um, even if it's really the first two movies that carry that entire name with Arnie. Mm-hmm. I think everyone generally agrees after that. They go off the boil a bit. Like The third one wasn't all that, and then they even did that one with that fucking Dragon Queen that was in... Well, I feel like That's yeah. one of the few films I fell asleep watching around Biff's. It was part of that, 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 that Terminator film. The other film I fell asleep watching just in mm. general, was that Jungle Book, that real-life person one they did. So bad. Anyway. Terminator, Dark Fate. I know you're probably not interested in this, but what do we do with this franchise? Is an RTS a good place to go with it? A strategic game? Or do you want a, an open-world survival game, which I, I am told is being in the works? So you've got all sorts... Where is it? How has this survived? <laughs> I was just thinking about this question. We said, what do we want from it? I was like, do I really want anything from it? Like really, it, 1984 or saying it started, and we're still doing it 40 years later in, yeah. in games. I mean, look, it's a it's a bit of a cult, like yeah. following for it. Like, you, and no one, really, no one dislikes Terminator. Like we've even referenced it in this with Skynet appearing, ironically. Yeah. So, I mean, head of its time, some will say. Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably why it carries it because you go well, actually. Are we? I wouldn't say living through it, but you see more and more of the stuff cropping up IRL, it. didn't it? It's a disaster. Literal, literal nuclear bombs going off. No. Well, um, with that Putin lurking, who knows? Can he be trusted, any of them? Is he um, Skynet? Is he actually not real? An actual Terminator underneath. He might be. I don't know. He Look at like that it. Joe Biden. Well, That's all I'm saying. That's a puppet, if nothing else. <laughs> 
Um, I, I don't know what I want from it because part of the, I, I think how cool would it be to like actually play a campaign of that original story or whatever, even from both sides. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's got to be something there, but really it's like when we discussed that Indiana Jones the other day, like, is there really that like beyond our age, if you like, like is mm. there really that much interest in it? Or is it for like late twenties and up or 30 and up? Or, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I kind of wonder how much it would carry it, but I think there's obviously still some developers that feel like they've got something they want to do with it. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I I wonder whether it's worth carrying it on. Some things are just better left, don't they? If you come up with an idea, if this in this case it's a real time strategy game, if you come mm. up with an idea for one, would you be tempted just to attach, try and attach it to some sort of license like Terminator that's got some sort of name cachet, knowing yeah. that you're going to hand over some capital up front or either per sale, however the the deal's worked out, just because mm. it's worth having that because you know it'll get some level of traction, or do you just go look? completely unique i'll make my own robots my own skynet let's quick ground net and go that way and see if we can get 100 percent of the proceeds or is it almost necessary for some of these games to have some sort of i mean they might do it because they love the franchise that's also yeah. something that i think we sometimes don't think about is the people making it maybe might that's how you get it. the funding for the game as well yeah like because if they go i've got this this game about robots and it goes to terminate and you go well no. They go well. It's Terminator or nothing. You go well. All right. If it'll get if it'll get this over the line, I'll do it Terminator. Yeah. Um, but even when you look at that Hell Divers and those bots, well, they those are automatons, RT, T one hundreds or whatever. I can't remember what it is now. Um, yeah, I can't. Remember. I think they might be eight hundreds. Yeah. T one thousand is that liquid fuck Robert That's Patrick it. in it. Agent Doggett mm. from X Files. So, I I I think that it's, it could be an element of both, but. I just wonder why we're still dealing with it. Like if there was a new film out or something like that to to sort of jump on the hype bandwagon with. But as I say, you kind of like, they've tried to redo it so many times. And every time I watch it, I go, what are we doing? Why are we digging this up? And then randomly a game comes out of nowhere that John's crapping on. Well, we didn't understand it, did he? Bless him. I'm trying to find which Terminator model Arnie was. T eight hundred. There we go. Yeah. I was right. See, but that's not there even. I'm, I'm not even close. I don't follow the franchise at all. I've watched the first two films, the second one about fifty times. To be fair, when I was younger, mm. but not in half a decade. And it's not like I'm obsessed with this franchise, but that's just somehow burnt into my brain. It would seem. Interesting. Yeah, I think most people would. I mean, Ronnie's pretty good at retaining this sort of stuff anyway. Whereas well. Steve, as we know, is a lot poorer at doing that. No. Um, well, it can it, happen. Yeah, I mean, again, could be a good game. Arguably, the score dictates at the moment that it is a good game. It's in that. You're interested it's, in it's it. in that region, so mm. I'll I'll be having a look at that. I will keep saying this, and I never do. Um, another license to Star Wars: Dark Forces Remasters, the Pac-Man game again, sitting mm. on an eighty-one. This is a, a remaster, obviously, as the name dictates, an old-school FPS. What's this people doing? Oh yeah. Don't you be doing that, licking things off the floor. Uh, where are we? Let's do Robert Jones from PC Gamer. A great remaster of a beloved, if now very old school FPS that is handled with great care and attention. And I think that's all you can hope for when these... Because there'll be Dark Forces fans that were thinking, yeah. mm, 
don't know if we need this or want this because you might crap on it, but yeah, it feels like they've done a really good job with the. Uh, doing done a really good job with the uh with just the remaster part of it and kept it true and like i said 81's pretty good score and salmon will be relatively happy with that i think any thoughts agreed i think you know you're always looking for that plus 80 score right ideally in that in that grand prix so you'll this take came it. out in 1995 i don't in that stage, so it must be a remake, surely. Sweet, well, this is the thing. There's an ideal sweet spot between a remaster and a remake. And I don't think 30 years is the best idea for a remaster. But it must have done a lot of work to it. Um, those fucking old school shooters as well. Can you imagine Doom remastered? Yeah. You'd be like, cool. I mean, they have Doom done remade. that. I mean, they've they re-released it. it several times. They must yeah. have done. And Quake. It must have been done. Yeah. yeah. Right, we've better frames and stuff like that but i just don't i don't know if that does the job but what do i know i'm not really interested in i say i'm not really interested in it's replaying ultimate um i am but it depends what it is and i'm not sure those older older versions age that well no if i'm honest well, as long as you're up front with it and not trying to mm. claim it's worth it's 2024 levels of yeah, interaction. Yeah, yeah. I think you can you can get away with it. I would like to see more older games come back. I mean, they've just done those Tomb Raider games, which from the nineties. Yeah. Which, I mean, FPSs I feel like aged a little bit better ones that, especially on PC. Mm. Um, but third person three D stuff difficult to to get your head around in some ways. I don't know if there's anything I'm particularly asking for. I'm trying to think like what do you know? One that I would like is just Gran Turismo. OG. Yeah, just OG Gran Turismo remastered or done in a way that it's actually playable. The amount of times I've sunk into that, the amount of time I've sunk into it, getting that Pike's Peak. don't know if you ever did that. Um, I remember it. I yeah. It. I I, but then I'd wonder if I actually played it, whether I'd go, cool, that's the trouble. Do I really want it? I don't yeah. know. We'll see. Anyway, those fans of Dark Forces, it looks like you've got a decent remaster sitting on uh, an 81. You can go away and enjoy that. In terms of the Grand Prix scores, this is how it stands. You've got Biff at number one, seven games out, 510 points. Adcock number two, five games out, 420 points. So that's a disaster. That's 90 points off of Biff with two extra games you can play with. So Biff is in trouble it looks like, unless others have absolute blowers. Salmon in third place, three games out, 248 points. Adkins, two games out, 171 points. Parky, one game out, 78 points. Hall, zero games, minus five points, because he's still got to get rid of that blank. And the transfer window is officially open, as we record yes. this. So yeah. people will start flooding that, and we'll try and keep up to date with that on the next editions of Idle Game Chat, for sure. What's this bully doing? He's not happy. Um, look, that's all I had for the episode. Really, called it off. We've got a long, ver we've got a longish impression session of Cyberpunk Ultimate Edition, which has been recorded. So that's going to go on there. So it's going to be still a decent sized episode. I will say this: we're trying to get this review done. Yeah. Mm. And, I, and I got this. Would be helpful if other, if some of these other turds helped out of reviews. He's getting annoyed. Not getting annoyed. I think. Come on. They're not gonna. 
The reason I brought it up is because when this inevitably crumbles, this podcast, yeah. you'll be able to take some of the blame now because people will be like, oh, he was getting it's pissed. It's not crumbling. Well, it's absolutely never crumbling. I will crumble um, I'm more as well thinking like other hey. people's perspective is better than just mine. Hmm. Is where Probably. I'm at on it. Variety is the spice of life. Maybe. And that, who said that? Gandhi? <laughs> I don't know if that was him. <laughs> I don't know what he said. He said a lot of things. <laughs> right. Well, he might. He definitely didn't say that, but it was him, no. or, him or Einstein, I reckon. So, yeah. <laughs> they both said a lot I of things. I think it's someone else's perspective at times would be a good thing, um, is my, my position on it. Um, but as always, it's yeah, but that's an independent like asking, endeavor. That's like asking fucking Paul Merson to take Jeff Stelling's old job. Like, you know, Merson's there to provide awful commentary on what's going on. Jeff's there to just manage the ship, get things over the line, get the right questions asked, get, keep the show going. Yeah. So it's a certain skill that you have that I feel like if I was to put some other piss head in, it would be like Merson sitting there trying to get things going. It would fall apart after 10 minutes. So... That's what has to be considered. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> anyway, um, go on. actually enjoyed our cyberpunk chat, though. It was interesting because uh, that one specifically, I've kind of always stayed on the sidelines for, and I was actually curious to get your perspective on it and see what state that, that game's in. Um, yeah. but, uh, what I would say is it didn't... The, the overall game wasn't as I expected. Hmm. So, not I'm not saying the scoring. I'm just saying the feedback on the game wasn't what I expected, which I found interesting. It was never gonna. I just don't see how it's ever gonna recover and be top mm. tier, like top, top, top. I'm giving away the, the game a little bit here, but top, top tier. Because even like they've done a lot of work to make it mm. up to an acceptable standard. Like even stuff that I didn't really talk about. Like you see a lot of popping just driving around the city, like. Mm. Cars just dropping in and out randomly. Like there's a lot of scruffiness around it, which seems seems just inherently baked into the game. They can't do anything yeah. about. So, yeah, it was it was it was, it was a AAA studio though. Yeah, but yeah, they are. But they didn't didn't get there. But then again, I don't know. I've seen again that Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Mm. I mean, that looks like it's so soft. The picture on performance mode, like it almost looks like a cartoon at times, which isn't a bad thing. But that's not. How it should that look. wasn't what they were doing. No, and it's kind of like, do you put it on the quality mode and lose the frames, or do you just chuck it in there at performance? I fucking like, hate that compromise. Well, it has I to really be done do. now. They're not. This either that or you don't have it. You have Dragon's Dogma coming out, no performance mode, so you just lose the the chance of it. But I, I really don't know who's opting for resolution over frames. It really, really just is a really bizarre brain malfunction is all I can call it that people think it's better and I just don't get it and I just don't think it's an appropriate thing to say sacrifice all of that resolution so you can have it run no like it's just not acceptable now pack it in yeah it's a strange one anyway cyberpunk what was it 2077 ultimate edition because it was with that DLC included which comes with its pros and cons that's what's going to close out this edition of idle game chat as usual we will see you on the other side here we are then back with some game impressions to close out this edition of idle game chat we've got apps here joined by logan who's going to be 
managing the questions about Cyberpunk 2077 Ultimate Edition. That's what it's been packaged up and called. That's what I experienced, Mm. I believe. I mean, there's all sorts of different store pages and whatnot, but this seems like the closest to it. You basically get the base game and this Phantom Liberty DLC bundled in and it's post all of the major fixes, I believe. Um, so obviously I'll hand over to you. I've got the I've got a store page reference here to talk the nonsense if you want to hear what sort of marketing crap they spilled out. But I'll, I'll hand over to you and see if you can get some useful information out of this brain of mine. It's not operating at the moment. Yeah, I, as we were discussing, I was literally just going through like off air we were obviously discussing what what this review does and all several different things like that and i was just looking at the like front page on open critic and i've noticed that ign have reviewed it twice right right <laughs> and one of them got a four out of ten and one of them got a nine out of ten interesting i mean that does sort yeah. of tell a story of what the game was and perhaps what it is but well, to- this is what i thought right because and i don't mean to pre load the review or anything but uh, the reason i've flagged this right and i don't know if they've gone back in and and done something here or whatever but the one that got a nine out of ten hold on the one that got a four out of ten was done on the 14th of december 2020 right Mm. which must have been around when it come out yeah that's it It was a late one that year they delayed it several times and just squeezed it out and that's the The nine out of ten which is from Tom Marks at IGN. Yeah. So the first one was from Destin Ligari. Yeah. Second one, Tom Marks at IGN, was done a week before, on December the 7th. So, 2020? Yeah. Bizarre. Metro Game Central also gave it an 8 out of 10. Yeah, um, there's a few Games people. Radar Plus gave it a five-star review. Some Gaming got caught out. out so here's what yeah, happened. It's interesting, though, isn't it? Here's what I remember from that time period. Is this happened? Because it's actually, I think it costs Adkins the Grand Prix. Chappers won yeah. it because yeah. initially the game came out and got a 91 on Open Critic average about a week before its release. Yes. What had, what had transpired was that they, they'd only given out code for PC at that point, which appeared right. to be the best shape of the game. It appeared to be the yeah. least, the, the version of the least amount of problems. It mm. wasn't until the console slops got their hands on it that, the seams started coming undone, from what I remember. Yeah. That's where a lot of the bugs were housed were within the console editions. Like the last gen, the PS4 and Xbox One editions yeah. were a total disgrace. Even so much so now, even on the PlayStation Store, it says, what does it say here? Important, Cyberpunk, Cyberpunk sorry, 2077 base game is available on PlayStation 4. This version received received its last patch on the 8th of uh, November 2020, 2022. It is no longer supported. Um, there's even another part in another store of the page says we don't recommend you buy this version. So they're still flagging these last gen versions of it. And I'm surprised they didn't pull it. Like they did. It, well, it, I remember it being that bad. Sony did. It came off the storefront for a while. Mm. You couldn't buy it, and you could get a refund, yeah. like which you don't usually get, like widespread refund offers, particularly mm. on like PSN. But yeah, they weren't happy with it. They may have just done it as a publicity stunt to put rockets up asses but yeah it was uh it's one of those like I, I would if i was guessing i'd believe that review from the week before was the pc version and then the four out of ten was a console mm. version I, I wouldn't have thought it would have been the xbox one or ps4 um because people don't tend to review last gen stuff typically but even on the yeah. ps5 and xbox series x it wasn't ah it, it went up to right 
So I've literally just opened up the review. It said, while I had just as much fun playing Cyberpunk on PC as Tom did playing for his review, on the base PlayStation 4, Xbox One, it's a different oh. game entirely. It was, so it literally, was last gen, right. Yeah, immediately... The X, yeah, and it says here the Xbox One PS4 version is nearly unrecognizable compared to PC. So yeah, your Shit. your memory is completely right, and they're basically Destin has absolutely crapped on it for yeah. for for that revelation a week later. But it's interesting. I think a lot of people, like I have as well, kind of forget some of the backstory to how all of this happened, and it got to the point where you got to, and the game got to, where you thought, you know, what we'll play that now because. It's actually in an acceptable condition. But the point was, back then, it was everyone was very hyped for this game. It was like, obviously, yeah, it was... in the midst of COVID, and it's kind of like everyone wanted something good to play and distract themselves from all the noise and things that were going on. And then this happens, and it's kind of like interesting. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a huge disappointment, that absolute because mm. I mean The Witcher 3 came out and that was excellent what was that 2015 maybe yeah. and this was like CD Projekt Red's next big game and it was new setting new franchise etc um, there was a little bit of alarm bells because it is people were complaining about it being first person then mm. I think they cut back on any of the third person cinematic so it was all done through first person via that which actually adds to the game I think in hindsight keeps mm. it kind of nicely uh, nicely immersed but um other than that, there weren't really no one was expecting what happened, <clears throat> and especially after the first week, ninety ones yeah. come rolling in. You think, well, they've they've done it again almost, and slowly but surely, the cloak and dagger approach, where only giving out that code to the PC would have worked for week one, but as soon as it got out there in the wild and the other versions were played, it became apparent there was some very serious issues with it. Now there are people that played through it on even on the mm. on the PS five and the Xbox Series X. Atkins played through it on the console close to launch and said it was bad but wasn't wasn't unplayable so i think a lot of the the absolute stinking outrage came from those ps4 and xbox one versions but it just didn't function like it would just run at like 22 frames a second it was crashing all the time etc certainly wasn't perfect elsewhere but that was the the other extreme of how bad it was it just the whole Mm. conversation around the game got completely just poisoned and well got absolutely poured in with poison you couldn't really get a grip of actually what was going on so at that point i was like well just you got to walk away from this at some point. And to was... be fair, they did commit quite heavily to sorting it out. I mean, they had no choice. It was, as you say, it was, there was so much poison and so much bad press and reviews. And like, as you say, the difference in experience, everyone was just like, well, I ain't going to risk it. It's, yeah. you know, it's, it ain't worth it. And because they committed so heavily to, to doing same with it, it kind of made sense to, to hold off. Um, I think it just took it took longer than I thought it would for them to like fully quote unquote resolve it and then yeah. by then you sort of to a certain extent the the hype's gone other stuff's cropped up and come out you know a year or two later and you think well does this still make it on the menu and it's obviously one that you'd pinpointed you love CD Project Red I mean Witcher yeah. 3 is probably up there with one of your favourite games ever yep um, if not top of the list near it or near it um so this was a natural one that i expected you to be sniffing around at the right time um but yeah it's interesting to see it crop up all this time later so i suppose you what you saw this ultimate edition everything packaged in and it was the 
the game that you were looking for and the right time to jump in, I assume. Yeah, well, the, the, the base game I already had because Adcock somehow came across a code through various sources and whatnot. Mm. And he said, I'm never going to play it. Will you ever play this? And this was like 2021, quite early. And I was like, well, yeah, I'll have it. Because I think if they sort it, I do want to go and play this. But I'll just, I'm just going to bide my time. So as long as mm. you're comfortable with me sitting on it for a few years, potentially. I mean, I didn't know at this time. And he was like, yeah, yeah, you'll play it one day. So it doesn't really matter. I, I just know I definitely won't. And I was like, okay. So once that happened, I was like, okay, sitting there waiting. And there was this sort of, this, this next-gen patch, I think they were, they were referring to it as, that a lot of people were saying that this is going to fix the game mostly. So I kind of waited mm. for that. That rolled around, and then we'd already known about the Phantom Liberty coming as a DLC package. And I thought, you know what, I might as well just wait for that to come out. And I did. And then once that was out, it was downloaded and ready to go, and it was just a case of finding a slot, knowing that this was going to be quite a meaty game. Mm. Um, and, and away we went. Unfortunately, that was after another couple of patches after the Phantom Liberty come out. And I think they've done... They've pretty much said that we're done with, you know, supporting it at that sort of level. It's going to be maybe minor stuff, but we've done everything we need to do on the roadmap. It's it's ready to go. So, mm. pretty good timing at the turn of the year to start this one up. And yeah, interesting to finally get through it and, and see what all the fuss is about and uh, have have thoughts about this yeah. occurrence. But really, I only had to pay out for the <laughs> Phantom Liberty, which was twenty mm. something quid. So that was a yeah, twenty five quid. I think I got it on for fifteen percent off. It was some sale that was going on over Christmas, mm. and I was like, okay, thank this, you. This, this, I'll take that, and we'll get through it. Like I said, it's taken a, a long time to get here. It's been a, I think it was like an eighty nine hours. My save was, mm. and that save wasn't countering in all sorts of nonsense. I was up to reloading and d- doing other like experimenting and stuff. It's probably it's only like in game. Yeah, exactly of that save. Mm. So the times that I would reload for to do something else or to mm. test something weren't were not counted so yeah it is a is a, a slightly larger commitment than i thought was going to happen but sometimes you get into these things and you think well i might as well clear down what i can and before you know it, you've done almost yeah. everything the witcher was a long game though so it's it's i don't it's know if expected. that's fair just yeah i don't know if it's fair to i don't want to keep drawing comparisons but they did that was quite an in-depth mm. game i suppose wasn't it so there's i think in the the, the what I'd heard was Cyberpunk's main questline actually isn't that long. And I think that's true. It's it's difficult for me to really sit here hand on heart and say that is true. But mm. I did when I got to the point, and it kind of, you know, is in many games these days, it's like, right, this is it's gonna ramp up now. So if you do what you want to you do do what you want to do, and then come back when you're ready. And most mm. most people push on. I was like, oh, okay. Um that didn't feel that long, in fact. I was just like going through back through what I would consider were the main missions, excluding the DLC, really, because that is that wasn't part of that sort of generic first run. Um, I was thinking, yeah, the base game. Like if you had just the base game, you could burn through that in thirty hours, I reckon, if not a bit bit mm. shorter than that. But the supplementary content, the the Phantom Liberty itself, a good twenty hours on its own, maybe fifteen if you were to main main crit that. And then all the other side content. And I didn't even do all of the side content. There's like a lower level job system, which I sort of dabbled in. was like, yeah, I can see one day doing this, but today's not that day. But all all side quests that I was able to find were done, what I'd consider that came up and were were categorised like that. And these things called gigs were done about 15 or 20 of them. There's almost 100, I think, of those lurking. So it's, again, you sometimes just shake your head and you go, I don't need... Well, part of that is like you build up your money doing that, but... You become so ridiculously 
affluent in this game just by selling guns that you pick up that actually you don't need to ever consider that. I think there's a mm. there's probably a balancing problem there. I think the Phantom Liberty, not to jump the gun too much, kind of adds to that because it gives you access to stuff earlier depending on what order you play it in that you probably wouldn't have access to and it's high-level shit and you start selling that at 3000 a pop before you know it, you've built up enough to buy the big apartment that you didn't think you'd ever afford. So mm. it's certainly some... That happens with most RPGs, I think, though. Like, eventually you become so rich that money is of no consequence. Yeah, yeah, and I remember that happening in even, like, GTA, eventually. You're just like, yeah. well, it's, you know, there's, there's yeah. not really a, a problem here. I suppose yeah. it's better to be that way rather than you're constantly poor. You want to better just enjoy the game. But, yeah, it's... Um, it's, it's kind of always an initial um, graft, I think. And then you reach a point where you find the optimum way of generating cash or whatever it is you don't need to spend as much and it all just starts yeah. sort of accumulating as you're saying um that is that is quite a common thing to happen but um yeah interesting though i, I saw a lot of hype around this a lot of people were back streaming it um over the christmas period or just before it like a lot, a lot of the big streamers were all over it and mm. seemed to be thoroughly enjoying it as well so it did seem to me like it was actually quite nice like an arc of redemption like i do and we've said it before like it's a lot of games get tarnished and thrown in the fucking bin pile because they don't come out in the right state and i think it's good now that they continue to work on stuff and release the game that they want to i mean arguably it's like well don't release to like we said that before just keep delaying it but at some point they have to get something out and it's never going to be a perfect and exact science, but it's good that they, I feel like they got some redemption from this game. I don't know if I, I always struggle with which way to look at it. Cause I kind of think don't release shit is my first initial yeah. response. And you should be punished for that. But at the same time, you should also be, I wouldn't say rewarded, but a, a little pat on the back for actually getting it to be the game that they intended, arguably. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's tricky because it's, it's sort of like second prize, isn't it? Like second prize is that the game's eventually probably mm. up to snuff from a technical perspective. But ideally, as we said, when that comes out first time at full price, you want people to be happy with what they've purchased and clearly a lot of people were not. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's it's a tricky one. I mean, look, we can't rewrite the history books. It's, that stain is always going to be there for them. But what we can say is in 2024... At a minimum level of technical competency, it's there. Um, so if you were interested in the game mm. and were just scared off, rightly so, by all the issues, they're, they're largely resolved. And in fact, I think I had the game crash once in, what, 90-odd hours, probably 100, pushing 100 hours. So not great. It still crashed once, but, you know, we've, there's, there's far more what I'd consider potentially even more polished games out there that have had more crashing. We talked about that Spider-Man remastered a little while ago, kept fucking shitting out on me. And that was... That's a remastered version of a game, mm. so... Yet to yeah. be discussed, but I had Spider-Man 2 crapping out on me multiple times. Well, um, I, Well, I, I did wonder whether some of it was the quick resume piece on it. It didn't really like it, but don't give it to me then. If it ain't going to work, I don't want it. So To be fair, you, you said quick resume. I think the time it crashed was after I'd resumed it from quick resume. Um, yeah. And I, I don't usually do that. I think by accident, I left it on. Mm. I was like, oh, I'll just play for it. And then within a couple of hours, it had gone bloop. And I was like, oh, 
I was like, hang on, I had it on that quick. I don't be trusting that quick reserve. I know it, it just... I think it caches too much, and then it gets all caught out by how much it's cached, and it runs out of memory and craps out. I reckon that's what it does. Yeah, I, do. um, I try not to use it, but can't be trusted. No. Anyway, should we get into a review then and talk about your experience of the game? Do you want to start off with said store page? Yeah, there's a lot of dross on here. But this, let's give it a go. About, about the key bit. About the game. Cyberpunk 2077 is an open-world action-adventure RPG set in Night City. Uh, a city obsessed with power, glamour, and body modification. Players V, a cyberpunk mercenary, and take on the most powerful forces in the city in a fight for glory and survival. Legends will be made here. What will yours be? Now, V is a character you build. So it's not like The Witcher where you're handed Geralt and you're like, look, you're going to be mm. Geralt. You choose what flavour of Geralt you are with your responses. You can change his air occasionally, but that's it. <laughs> v is a character that you can make male, female, or, or whatever you like, in fact. Um, change all the looks throughout the, the, the game. You can change the hair. You can completely change gender halfway through if you want. You can change the voices. Everything's there to be edited. And too much choice for me. I don't really like getting snarled up in it. So I just hit randomize until I found a base that I could work off of and a direction to go with and went with male V as a nomad. There's three starting storylines you can choose. Nomad, Corpo and Street Rat. I tried out all three of them to see which one I kind of liked and instincts were right. Nomad was the one for me um, to set that up. Next, the ultimate Cyberpunk 2077 experience. That's just patting themselves in the bank. In the ultimate edition, immerse yourself in every <laughs> yourself in every story the world of the dark future has to offer, featuring every gameplay update and all previously released content in one package, including the acclaimed spy thriller expansion, The Phantom Liberty. Create your own cyberpunk. Become the urban outlaw elicted with cybernetic enhancements and build your legend on the streets of Night City. There's a lot of t toss after that. It is an interesting one they've put in there. Decide how the story ends. Your choices in the base game and the spy thriller adventure. They love that, don't they? Spy thriller adventure. Phantom Liberty will create interweaving webs of consequences. Ones that shape the fate of characters around you and your own. So they've chucked that in as a selling point. It's a right load of old word salad, that. Yeah. Um, doesn't really... <sighs> give you that much i'd say it's just a lot of a lot of words but i think basically you pick who you are your background and then and you're crack off. on with it yeah it's first person which will upset some people and because it's like it should have been third i don't know why well that's what a lot of people have said but actually it works pretty well as first person it really does remind me of it goes third person when you get in a vehicle actually you've got that option so it's kind of a blend of games you've got a GTA influence there. For sure. It's more like GTA than it is The Witcher in many ways because you're in a city driving mm. around and there's that sort of carnage that unfolds. It feels point to point like a, a Grand Theft Auto or an open world city game than it would be The Witcher. But then the first person elements bring you grounded to more like a Bethesda game, you know, like a, a Fallout or a, perhaps a Starfield or, or whatever that might be from, you know, Skyrim. That, that always being in first person is an interesting kind of take and brings you into that kind of area and then all the cyberpunk and the cyber cybernetic enhancements just completely screams deus ex to me um mm. so you've got this blend of of different sort of video games that have come before it 
and you get Cyberpunk 2077 and it still retains a lot of the good stuff from The Witcher as well. You know, the, the character work, the conversations, the the building of relationships during the the uh, the game are still retained, but it's just in a completely different setting with completely different combat um, rules and engagement and really in a lot of elements pulls it off. There's, I've got a few, probably mostly Ronnie-isms, you know, a lot of people will be rolling their eyes and they hear one of the complaints for sure. But there's a lot of good stuff to say about Cyberpunk 2077. And the Ultimate Edition does have that Phantom Liberty expansion in there as well. Um, but yeah, that's a sort of a high level look at it, I guess. So I'm trying to think of the best place to start with this. Why don't you talk through... I mean, look, you've mentioned there's a, it's a blend of some very good video games. Um, and there's a whole wide range of influences that sound really positive. Why don't you start with some of the things that you just really enjoyed about the game? Like, and talk through some of the progression elements. Because I have to be honest, I don't know. I haven't seen a whole lot of this game. And I've only seen a little bit of it. And... Mm. I actually don't know too much around what the objective is and what you're actually trying to do. Yes, yeah, so there's a couple of ways to start this. I'll start with, I'll, we'll deal with the narrative, definitely, yeah. because that's where there's banana skins being trod on as far as I'm concerned. But in terms of the stuff I like, let's start with what is definitely a Ronnieism, a very small thing, but I just like this is in the game. Okay, so you have your own apartment that you go back to. You know, you don't have to even go there, really. Some of the missions are, should go back there to do something like maybe make a phone call or something like that but really you don't have to engage with any of this but in the in the apartment you can sort of wander around your stash is in there so you can change your loadout or your weapons or your clothing all this sort of good stuff yeah uh, you've got a bed there that you can sleep on to pass time there's a shower even that you can do and you can take part and you can change the look of your character in the mirror all that sort of stuff when you go to sleep and shower it buffs your character so there's a reason to role play in that sense is the reason to go back to your apartment once every while get some sleep in have a shower in the morning maybe have a coffee before you leave it's almost that red dead redemption 2 when you'd wander around that camp do all the little chores of the day have your stew and then you go out for the day like it had that mm. element to it and i was like this is excellent because it, ma- it basically made sure that i went back every so often to to just have that little role playing element yeah have that sleep because mm. it used to double i think it's either double or it'd modify the xp up that you'd earn for a 45 minutes of of real time um, which is mm. about a quarter or maybe half a day and the sh- i don't know what the shower did i think it increased some sort of damage buff that you had so as soon as i found this was going on i was like oh that's great because normally they have it in there and it's just there Open. Yeah. yeah it's just like we can do it but nothing there's nothing that the game offers you this is really going down the rpg element where even small things like that can give you a mm. little bit of a, a sneaky advantage um i mentioned the characters and the conversations and how that all kind of operates that's all really good you you unlock new dialogue options by investing your points as you would in any rpg game into certain types like archetypes so you've got like a You've got, what, you've got your strength. So the more points you invest in your strength, that will unlock kind of aggressive um, or ways to deal with things by just intimidating people, you know, shutting them down and then 
going that way. You've got a technical one, which will allow you to unlock dialogue about any technical issues you run into. And you can't get them all. You can't max them all out. So you kind of do have to pick and choose where you're going to focus things. And that plays in nicely to the, the characters and the conversations that you can have. And, you know, if you replayed it again, you could use a different focus and get a different outcome, get different bits and pieces. Like there's, there's some quests that I I saw there was an option to change the quest outcome, but I didn't have the relevant points into that that area. And I was like, I wonder how that would play out if I if I did that. So it kind of gives you those those nice questions. Really, though, it's got all those, the RPG elements, like the upgrades and the cybernetics that you do are really cool. You can do all manner of turret in there. You can put mantis blades on your arm and just carve people up. You can put what they call gorilla arms on, which are just used for punching people's heads out. Then you can add, you know, electricity to that and do all this sort of stuff. And there's tons of stuff for your guns. There's tons of stuff for your actual body, armor, all these little perks and different bits and pieces that you can do. It's almost too much in many ways. Like if you sat there and tried to go for it all and come up with a, you know, an ultimate build, you'd be there for hours, but you just kind of pick what seems to be best at that time. The game tries to keep you out of ceiling, though. There's like a certain number of points that you can invest. And if you go over this this limit, you start to take debuff damage, like your health reduces per point you go over. And you this ceiling raises as you go through the game and level up. So it's kind of like it's there to help you progress and make sure you don't just front load at the very beginning. Mm. Um, so you've got to keep an eye on that. Really, though, I mean, there's two stars of the show. One is the city itself. Like, Night City Night City is just this cool, you know, vibe of a place. Like, it's an absolute shithole. Don't get me wrong. Like, it is just... Yeah, I don't know how people are living there, in all honesty. It's just carnage. There's just... The, even in the, the notes, it says the police don't really get involved with people's business. If you're fighting with someone, they'll let you just duke it out. Whoever wins, wins. They're only there to stop, like, crimes against the city, basically. But if you're out there having a gunfight against some gang they'll be like well not interested in that you get on with it and whoever survives gets to to carry on with that but the city itself's got this really cool vibe the music and the soundtrack add to that certainly and night city is is a character in itself and then really the other one which i was not expecting at all is just the combat like the combat itself is really really good it's better than it has any right to be you know you, you come from the Witcher 3, which actually the combat largely seen as the most disappointing part of that game, like the, the sword combat, pretty basic, like it's serviceable, but wasn't exactly interesting or, or challenging for, for many people. And look, this isn't challenging, but it feels fucking good roaring around with those guns. You can go for the shotgun approach, steam in there, buff all your, you know, your body up and your mm. strength stats up so you can take more damage and just go in there shotgunning people's faces off get a sniper rifle out, you can do that. Or you can go full hacking, invest points in these little hacking modules that are used to disrupt the enemies and you can insta-knock out people and, and do all that sort of stuff. The one part where it doesn't quite come together is the stealth. Like, it's not one of these games that necessarily encourages it, but if you were building towards a stealth kind of playthrough, which I did go for, it got tricky at times because it's a little bit hit and miss. Like, first-person stealth is just... It's a tough one because in theory, if you can see them, they should be able to see you. And yeah. that makes it that makes it really difficult to kind of balance. And there's a few times when I got seen, I was like, no, I'm not having that. That's, reload that. It's a silliness. And other times when blatantly I should have been seen and wasn't. So I wouldn't recommend a stealth approach. I'd just recommend just committing to this carnage run of just weapons and finding what you want because that's where it really comes into its own. Um, but those are some of the the definite good points. And um, questing and missions are relatively good, I'd say. 
Uh, like I said, it's mainly, again, more about the people you meet and finding out about them and their backstory and, and whatnot. And, uh, but yeah, I would say the combat is, was really, really surprising because I wasn't expecting that out of CD Projekt Red. They don't, first person game, first of all, you know, it's a mm. different perspective and they've got this really satisfying gunplay going, like really good. And uh, you almost, once you start upgrading your cybernetics, you can dash around and climb up things and you're scaling, you know, small platforms and using that to your advantage. It really does start to unlock a lot more options for you. A uh, little mm. double jump in there as well, if you want it, or a boost jump, you can choose either of those or choose to have none. So, again, has all these kind of different options to approach things. You can sneak in through the side or you can go in through the front door. Either way, once the once it kicks off, you can have some fun just carving through the enemies. It's, Interesting. It's, it's, it was hilariously easy, though, I will say that. Like At one point, I just thought, I'm never going to die, and I didn't for the rest of the game. So... If you want a challenge, there are higher difficulties. I just had it on normal. I think there's two above that. So if you want the challenge, go in for those higher ones because you'll just walk all over it after a little while. Mm. Just going to say, it's interesting that these games don't always just play to that kind of carnage approach. I, don't, mm. I think there's this thing where it's kind of like, oh, you can play it how you want. And it's like, well, yeah. And even in, you know, and I hate to bring it back to Spider-Man, but even then they've at times obviously felt the need to put this like stealth... It's like the fun part of some of these games is the carnage, is the combat, is the hand-to-hand, the feeling yeah. overpowered and powerful, and that's what makes it fun. And sometimes I think if if they give you stealth, you think, oh, that's how they want me to do it. Otherwise, they just encourage me to be this brute or, yeah. or doing it. And you kind of feel obliged to do that because sometimes in these sort of games or in games in general – they don't give you enough to be overpowered and then you get caught cold. You sort of get caught in this halfway house. Yeah. Um, there is a bit of a crit. I think, I don't know if I necessarily agree with it, but I have heard the criticism that, that cyberpunk ends like, I mean, in terms of like a quest or a mission ends with just too much combat. Mm. I think people wanted a few more sort of passive, non-aggressive outcomes to be an option, but really just most of the time you're just going to have to kill and fight people. Like, mm. And I know that a lot of RPG players love the whole non-lethal, non-killing run-throughs that games sometimes offer you. I'm not even sure you could do that in this because it's just... It, whether you've been as stealthy or as light-footed or mm. done all the right dialogue choices, sometimes it's going to chuck you into a situation where it's all kicking off and you've got no choice yeah. but to fight your way out of it. And I think that wound a few people up who want to have a bit more of a passive kind of look. And I do prefer that, personally. Mm. But once you kind of just accept that's how the game's going to be, you might as well just lean into it and start to to go with that. Like, it's it's yeah. definitely a strength they wanted to show off. But ultimately people wanted ultimate choice of every outcome of every quest. I don't mm. think you're going to get that here. You're going to have to do your, your fair share of bloodletting, I think, and let's get that your system. I'd much rather just be all out carnage. Cause I think that's where yeah, some I of these games are just the most fun. Yeah. And it's like, you've got all this cool stuff to do and you kind of, I find it interesting, like for all this cool stuff, you want to be like non-lethal. It's like, yeah. Well, yeah. It's a, and I get it. You kind of want an element of, I use it when I can or have to sort of thing, maybe, rather than just because I can, I will. Mm. But, yeah, it's interesting. Um, and I suppose that everyone's got a slightly different play style. Um, and a lot of games have to cater to that. I mean, you know, everything that we play, you and I both tend to operate different things and go for different things that buzz how we want to play the game. So, you know, it's hard to criticise it for it. But... Uh, 
So you've alluded to some of the things that you liked. Now, we discussed beforehand there was obviously Ronnie-isms perhaps that you didn't like. Mm. Do you want to talk to some of the the less enjoyable elements or the frustrations for Ronnie? Because I think that's where I always revel to see what he's picked out in the game. <laughs> well, the one that annoys me the most is these these time skips that can't be Probably seemingly avoided. So what I mean by that is that you will start a mission at 12 p.m. Mm. and then without any sort of contextual change in game, it'll be 8 o'clock in the evening. Mm. And what the game wants you to do is start at 8 o'clock. That's what it wants you to do. It wants you to go there around 8 o'clock and start it then. But if you don't, it just skips you forward. That I can manage because I think, okay, I'll come out of that, back in out of that mission. I'll just go and do something else till eight and try and time it, if that makes sense. I'm fine with that. And sometimes it'll even tell you, go at this specific time or at this specific time of night or daytime. Mm. It'll give you something, some sort of guidance to go to because the game wants to be at a certain daytime setting. I don't know what it is, probably for atmosphere, whatever. So I'm okay, I'm fine with that. But there's a couple of missions where it's just unavoidable. Like you just mm. cannot time it. Like one that started at 9 p.m., you go there and it would, it would cycle forward to 9 p.m. or you couldn't start it until 9 p.m. is one of those ones. So if you got there early, it pushed to 9 p.m. If you got there later, you'd start after 9 p.m. and you'd already be there. During that mission, it runs to about 2 a.m. You know, because it takes that, that while to do. When you end it, it goes back to 10 p.m. somehow. What are we doing? How's that happening? Why is that? A, why is that a thing? Why is that a thing? Well, I've exited the mission that it's gone back in time. There's so it's no... almost got like open world time and mission time. Yes, and they're not linked. They're not linked. No, almost. and sometimes they don't even have a time, which I don't mind. They it actually freezes time. I noticed. I was watching. I was like, that time's not moving, which I'm, I'm not. I'm not against that because that makes sure that you're kind of mm. synced up a bit better. But the time when it rolled back and went backwards in time, I was like, well, hang on a minute, what are we doing? Because yeah. there's no way you could do that mission quick enough for it to, to make sense. It would always cycle you back a few hours. Mm. I was like, that's really irritating. Um, so that is a Ronnie, is it? Most people won't even know that's happening. They won't care for it. It's just jarring sometimes when you sit there in a truck with someone, it's daytime, and you come out of the scene, it's dead of night, and you're like, oh. So a lot of my time was spent fucking managing that. And even even so much, though, after I finished the game, I was like, I can't be the only one that this drives mad. So I went on that Bile Factory Reddit, you always find some of a weirdo on there. Someone's created a whole thread, right, or whatever you'd call it, where they have a walkthrough of the game where there's no time skips. All time skips are avoided. Um, I don't know if it includes the mission I'm talking about because that was one of the DLC ones. I don't know if it had that updated. But essentially, it'll walk you through what time to do this quest, when's good to go and do this quest, etc., etc., etc. When's good time to... I think one of the modifiers they put in was you sleep at your apartment every night, like as you would probably in real life. So they've taken it one step further and offered a full sort of role-playing guide to get around the nonsense that's going on. So you can say it's only me, but there's others out there lurking. A lot of comments in there was like, why have you done this? <laughs> there's so much effort put into it. I was really astounded. I was like, wow, that is, a, yeah. that is so much effort to work out and go through. That's the next level, Ronnie, that is. Um, yeah, that means... I do get it. Look, I, I don't know if I'd be that bothered by it that I would try and actively work around it but it does annoy me when it because there was a couple of times when i've played spider-man 2 again and it did yeah. exactly the same thing like just yeah. tell me give me the option say do you want to skip forward or do you want to come back at night yeah because then as you say it does the same thing it kind of like switches you around and you go well 
It just looks a bit weird. It's sloppy. I think it's noticeable. It's carelessness. Think... I'll tell you what, yeah. I'll be happy to do away with any sort of time. This has a clock, so you can see exactly what time yeah. it's supposed to be. Just do times of day or... You know, just do evening, day, afternoon. Come back when it's well, night. Come yeah. back in the like, and have, when it's yeah. exactly, and then you haven't got to worry about it. When you start putting actual time clocks in there, it was mm. just an irritant. So what was it that you started all that Sega game? Sega game. Yeah, where was it? You had to do everything at a certain time. RPG game. Christ. Uh, Did you play it? No, 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 no. no. Is it? You'd know it. Shin Shinri. Oh, yeah. Shenmue. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that, yeah. yes, I remember so that. that. I didn't play it. I didn't play it. I didn't, but yeah, I remember that. That was one of up. the biggest ones for like doing things at a certain time. And it, there, there was obviously back then no mechanism to skip other forward, than sleeping so, yeah. to skip forward. So I think you'd like, you might go to bed, you could skip forward four hours by sleeping, but you might mm. then still have two hours to wait. So you'd have to wander around. Well, I appreciate the equipment to it. If you're going to do it, mm. do it that way, I say. They did, to be fair. Like yeah. that was. One of the big things for it. But, um, yeah. it but is, it's, it's a difficult thing to balance. Because people go, oh, I'll sit here for 15 minutes while it passes two hours. Yeah. Well, look, if you're going to do it, if you're going to have missions start at certain times, then make it easier. Real-time clock. A lot of the time, actually. And this is the annoying thing, actually, because sometimes it built in a, a an option for you. Wait for Leslie mm. or whoever's going to come around. And you just you go and sit like at a bar... It fades yeah. off and transitions to the right time, and they turn up. But it's like, oh, I went mm. to the bar for like that makes sense. But they didn't do it all the time. It was this inconsistency that yeah, it wasn't yeah. always an option. And I was like, this is mm. a frustration now. So that was, I definitely took that to heart way too much. But it was just an annoyance. I'm like, if you're gonna do it, why are they so obsessed with things starting on time? Like, <laughs> oh, we want the atmosphere to be at night for this one. It's like, well, why? What does it matter? It's an open world game at the end of the day. Let me just go whenever I want. GTA solved it because they would skip. I don't know if you remember, you'd start a mission with like Michael and then it would like skip the time. It would do like a little time lapse outside mm. his house and you'd see the sun go up and down. Then yeah, it, would sort yeah, of, yeah. it would start the mission. It was like, okay, that works. Um, but even that, you could get tangled up and if you chose the wrong character to start with, you wouldn't get that time lapse. So that was that was a concern that had to be ironed out. Anyway, that's one of the small things that annoyed me and took up way too much time. The other thing really is, and it's one of these, I think this is now becoming a bit of a sin, is the way in which the, and I was annoyed that they didn't, they don't talk about it in the store page, because that's kind of like my limit for what to talk about specifically when it comes to narrative and not what to sort of leave for the player to discover. It doesn't actually explain enough in depth for me to be comfortable doing, so I'm not going to. What I will say is it has that, it, it commits that sin where the main quest's urgency in real life, as a as a role playing game, mm. would surely just usurp any other quest. Like it's not even a question. Yeah. And it's, time and time again, games do this. They fall into this mm. trap of making a really urgent task the main quest, which obviously isn't going to be done in two quests. You know, you're going to have to run through, you know, a, a decent string of time. But when you're sort of wasting your time doing races, you think, well, hang on a minute. The clock's ticking in, in this in this game. The clock is ticking for mm. for my particular issue that I've got, and that just makes it a little bit. That takes me out of it almost completely sometimes because like I wouldn't. You wouldn't be doing this. You'd be you'd be going after the solution immediately, yeah. and yeah. I don't know why they did that. I mean, I don't. I, well, I've got no idea why. I don't think it necessarily creates. I mean, it's interesting, 
but for me it creates a problem of where's my priorities lying and then what makes it worse is you've got the dlc that comes along now knowing that the dlc is just that it's dlc it was something added after the game when part of the setup is a potential resolution to your issue well i know it ain't because i know this was added after the game come out so this Mm. like you kind of gives away the game a little bit that that dlc will be largely irrelevant you know, it's good, don't get me wrong. As a DLC package, it's really good. It's got a new area for you to go and explore that you can't access in the base game, like Dogtown. Um, but narratively, I was like, well, this doesn't make... You know, I know, I know, because it's... I know by the by the, the notion of this being a DLC that whatever they're saying here ain't going to be what it is, is it? And, you know, that's kind of how it all will play out. So that whole... And that's all because this main quest is just set up in that way. And I don't think it... Like it talks about here, you know, play as a, a, a mercenary and build your legend up and things like that. It's like, no. You don't even get a chance to do that. Like, it completely accelerate you on this path. And this whole notion of, oh, you know, build your way up, become a legend. It's like, this is complete nonsense. It's not... It wouldn't make any sense to play it like that. So, yeah. A really strange way to create a game with so much content and yet really put the pressure on and say, look, this needs resolving. And you're like, well, I, know, I can tell by well, the, the hand that you've dealt me of cards, I know that needs resolving, but you've added 80 hours worth of extra content here. What do we do? So that is actually quite a big one for me because that's an immersion stinker. That hurts. You can't so just to- go off and explore and do the things you want because there's essentially time pressure in the quest to well, there isn't get no, that done. There is no time pressure. The game, that's the thing. The game doesn't pressure you with time. It doesn't actually force you to do that. But the mm. way it's set up is there's time pressure. Like if you were to the role play it, is Yes. Yeah. yeah, but the games, yeah. they're not stupid enough to actually do that. Can you imagine how annoying that would be for people? Go here, do this. Go yeah, here it, now. Wouldn't, it, yeah. wouldn't, it wouldn't work. So they've done the but right the, thing, the over, really. The overarching narrative doesn't marry up with the way the, the game plays out, no. Yeah, the game plays. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, you're running around racing around the streets, and it's like, well, yeah, for a quick be buck, doing that. I've got 800 yeah. grand in the bank. I don't need to be doing this. So you have to just kind of ignore that and just say, look, that's kind of how it is, and that's a that's a bitter blow for me. Mm. Um, I know, I know they're planning some sort of sequel. I'd be interested to see what they do, how they do it, and uh, and what they go for. But you know, you have got Idris and what's his name, Keanu Reeves, is the headline actors in this one they they both mm. do a good job as do all the other characters as do those that are playing v um but yeah that kind of that the main the main quest and the main scenario you're put in is to me a problem for these type of games but that again is probably erroneism most people can just ignore that and get on with it but i just do think there's something i don't like it i don't know whether it's ronnie seeping in well, but i've had it in a few games lately where they go we need to go and do this now and then I'll, there'll be some side quest that operates on the way there. And then I have this dilemma. Where you go, you said this is urgent. Yeah. But you've got someone that wants this, and then I'm getting a phone call about that. And it's like, well, and I get it. Like, is that the idea? Like, to, for you as the protagonist to prioritize. But I just find it a bit, I like to do things at my pace and explore stuff and have the option to to choose but it does feel weird when it's like get over here they'll go get over here now yeah. quickly before he's gone and you go well yeah I, they give you I'm, in this they, mm. so that's like the main quest which is what it is it's set up and it's like yeah mm. that needs to be dealt with probably that probably needs to be dealt with yesterday 
that's how urgent it is. Um, but when, with the side quest, often someone will ring you on the phone and you can have the choice to say, okay, let's do that now. You can say, I'll call you back. So that's really mm. handy if you're trying to just sort of plan things out and you don't want to get snarled up in tur. You might have someone sort of whinging on the phone to you, but you're like, look, I haven't got time at the moment, but I will get to it. And they're like, oh, all right, as soon as you can. And that's that's fine. You're like, that could be a yeah. few days, can't it? Like, people have got other troubles to be getting on with. So they mm. they offer it in, a, in in an option for that in the in the side areas. But yeah, main main quest is a uh, is one of those. I think even in Zelda, I said that for Breath of the Wild, it's you know that that princess is trapped in that castle with Ganon. I mean, every day that we sort of piddle around out here looking for Kurok seed, she's getting God knows what's going on in there to her. Makes you wonder, <laughs> doesn't it? Well, that's part of the meta of the game. How long yeah, did you take? But... It's a freak. The thing is, a lot of these games have an element of urgency about them. Yeah. Like, realistically, at a base level. But it's how that's portrayed in the story that's key. Yeah. Um, I just prefer them to say, like, meet me over here, or next thing we've got to do is this, that, or the other. And then it's ways no, around like, it. Other open world yeah. games don't. I mean, it's not every open world game that has this issue, but some do and some mm. don't. It's a it's a choice that's made mm. to to sting people. So it's um yeah, it's one of those unfortunately, which kind of does dampen the, the experience somewhat because mm. you can't really take what's happening seriously. And nor should you really. Cause it's a video game, but you know what yeah. Ronald's like. Don't be liking yes, it. But one thing I did mean to say at the beginning of the outset, this I assume you played this on PS5. Oh yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, it was on it was on PlayStation yeah. Five, so it was a console edition. Um, and I've heard. I mean, the PC version looks great now. That if you've got a good rig, it's almost like a different game looks wise. How good it is, but mm. it holds up well. Nice sixty FPS mode is pretty pretty stable. Not not hundred percent, but stable enough for you not to concern yourself with it. And um, mm. yeah. I think I'd imagine the Series X is much the same. Like I said, the PS4 and Xbox One editions aren't even really supported nowadays, so I can't hand on heart recommend any of those editions if I'm if I'm honest. But if you've even got can a, they. Maybe, well, I they imagine. can't, no, they haven't. Yeah, they, yeah. Even the Phantom Liberty is not available on PS4 or Xbox One, so you can't even get that on there. And mm. some they did just pull the plug on that, which is which is probably the right thing to do. But yeah, ran ran fine. Like we had that one crash that I talked about. We'll blame Quick Resume for that. Um, or rest mode, whatever they call it on that PS5. And yeah, yeah, you know, good stuff, great stuff, not so good stuff, some middling road stuff. It's a big old game. It's never going to hit the highs all the time, but overall mm. does, a, as a, does a good job, I'd say, at delivering what it was. Is it is it really special? Probably not, but it is a, it is a worthwhile experience, if nothing else. Do you think it needed the big names like the Keanu and the Idris and stuff? Or do you think that's just... Because I feel like they went down that route and mm. I kind of think like... So I always thought, oh, they must have seen something with Keanu Reeves. And I don't know if it was kind of a bit of a Matrix vibe or something that yeah. they wanted for it. But did you feel that that was necessary or added something? I think it adds some star power for sure. Mm. Like hearing Keanu Reeves say the word cunt... Just never would expect it, but this dialogue where that happens, so you're kind of like that's actually just in itself mm. quite hilarious. And yeah, I mean, Keanu's a weird one anyway. I think like I'm not sure he's mm. the greatest actor that's ever walked the earth. I mean, I think he's, he plays Keanu he, Reeves. He plays, yeah, but other than Bill and Ted, he basically plays the same. Yeah, the way he's kind of inserted into this game is interesting, and he he plays Johnny Silverhand, and um, he does a really good job. 
he definitely has his own vibe about him. He's different from other characters. And I think that's maybe that's just because I'm just familiar with Keanu Reeves and you can't really yeah. shake that off, but it, it does work. And then Idris is classic Idris. He's, he's put in a good shift and, uh, you'll, um, those that have seen him in, in previous work know that he does a good job and, and here it's translated well to a video game. So don't, they don't stand out as being bad or, or, you know, not some, some actors don't quite fit when it comes to video games. They've done a good job and it's not distracting, which I could see how it could be because I think mm. it's largely a cast of unknowns, um, yeah. but they're not distracting. It just, I think it does enhance the game in certain ways. So I think they're good, good picks, both of those. There's probably some other actors and actresses I'm not familiar with, but they're the, to oh, me, they're, they're, they're the headline you, ones. You, you, they're voices that you instantly recognize. Yeah. Um, Okay, well, I thought I'd ask because it's obviously it was a big part of the game. Yeah, it was, it was definitely in, the marketing. The it. Yeah, they definitely lend heavy on the Keanu Reeves element, so I thought I'd ask it. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that you want to call out before we sort of head into the gallery for the final execution? No, I don't I mean, think so. I think I've said what I need to say. Yeah. <laughs> okay. In which case, we go in there now. Well, do we? I don't see. Well, yeah, with it, because mm. bin's well, still there, isn't it? Or have you chucked no, the bin? Well, in the, the bin? bin's gone. Because, bin's definitely gone. Because we've got the Botchlin bin, which is for Biff basically when he stops playing a game before he's finished it. So he's had to have an old new bin outside. So revert back to doors being unlocked, I think. Right. Well, I don't see a world in this different. doesn't go in. Uh, yeah, I've true. already made that decision yeah, for you. Fair enough. Um, Those times like it... might have killed him. <laughs> Ronnie taking it to the extremes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like it goes in. Yeah, um, it does. So really it's over to you to decide where your 90-ish hours, or 90-plus hours, I should say, of, of Sip and Pink go yes. in. So... Cyberpunk 2077 Ultimate Edition earns itself a nice solid silver. So probably mm. people hoping for gold. I mean, CD Projekt Red not happy there. Yeah, but I thought it could get it. I thought it was in with a shout. It looked like from I think obviously we were discussing it before, and the reviews of the original game weren't great, but mm. um, Phantom Liberty did really well. So yes. I thought that might swing it for you yeah. do you think it's the Ronnieisms that dragged it down a little bit I think so I think it's just a, yeah, yeah I think they, they that's are. an unfair way to put it I'm not saying it's you that's dragged it down but those elements that sort of detract from the immersion kind of had a bit of an impact on, on how you felt overall I just think when you're offering a role playing game that the role playing has to come kind of first and it doesn't really because mm. there's, there's those little bits that take you out of it like you're going to mm. create this beautiful world put all this detail in it create these wonderful characters to interact with but then mm. it doesn't gel well with a person playing a video game like there's just these little inconsistencies these time skips the the urgency of what the the main quest is and the phantom liberty i think actually knowing because knowing it's dlc it kind of slows the pacing down like I was thinking if it took that out, it unlocked at about 40%, it said on that play. PlayStation gives mm. that little percentage, doesn't it, on many games. Yeah, yeah. And at 40%, I started to get that. And I was like, well, one, obviously, no, I'm nowhere near the end of the game because of that. And I wouldn't have expected to because it felt quite early still. But like, there's a, that's a good 15, 20 hours, like I said. And it just, it, that kind of dragged the pacing down a little bit. 
and then you get back onto the main quest and you know mm. got, got on the back that that horse going again and then before i knew it it was time to, to wrap up if i wanted to and i was like oh there's there's other stuff to be getting on with here i'll go back and do it and then they started drip feeding the side content out really slowly because I'd, I'd obviously gone in, in such an order that it didn't quite unlock maybe all the different options. So mm. I was sort of finishing a quest and thinking, right, is that it now? On the way to do the main quest, you get a phone call. And you're like, oh, no, there's more. This happened for like another five hours. It's kept going on for. I was like, right. So something's happened where maybe the order I've done it in isn't quite at, at peace with how it's it not been rolled out. No, but I got mm. through it all in the end and gave it a good bit of time to make sure no one else is going to call before committing to sort of the, the final part. Roaring around, waiting for a phone call. Yeah, it was a bit of a time-wasting exercise, but I didn't. I, mm. I genuinely enjoyed a lot of the quests, so I thought it's worth just giving it a chance here to see how some of this mm. stuff plays out. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, the combat's really good. I said the, 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 the conversations, dialogue tree choices, the RPG points and building your character are very good. Main quests got a bit to be desired, um, but in the side quest, you'll meet some interesting characters and build some some really memorable relationships. So it has its has its ups, has its downs, and uh, yeah, ends up with a, a nice silver. Sounds reasonable. Yeah, not what CD Projekt Red would have wanted though, but no. doesn't mean it's a bad game. No, at all. It's not. It's not at all. It's very good. In fact, I can see some people really loving it. So. I think the, the, the message is, if you were scared off by the reviews, but always thought the idea of it was mm. good, then you've got nothing to worry about now, really. You've got this package deal to be getting involved with. It's all patched up and working as it should. Mm. So time to commit and, and go for it. Just put aside a bit of time. because If you want to go through it all, it's going to take you a little while. So get stuck yeah. in now, I say, and get it started early. Hey, bought this. What? Yeah, like pretty close to when it was originally released as oh, well. Poor boy. I don't, I don't know how much he played. I think he played a couple of hours. And then it's not a Pee Wee game. That's what I would no, say. No, I don't know. I, I don't know what made him do it. Obviously, again. Probably Keanu. Like, like, I'm not even joking. Well, mm. stuff like that. There were, this, this was a game that seemed to break through the norms of like, like the core enthusiast. Yeah. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was The Witcher. I don't know, but appealed could... to a more casual audience. Say, perhaps it was the market in the Keanu and the, yeah. the setting that kind of just pulled people in, and this sort of likeness. I think a lot of people saw it as a GTA-style game, yeah, um, rather than perhaps what it turned out to be. I don't know. It, it it's, it's interesting that, and it, he wasn't the only one. I think other people that I wouldn't have expected sort of got lured in by it, and then. Scared off. Yeah, well, they should all re-download it and play it now because it'll it'll run nice and have all the all the bells and whistles that it kind of needed mm. at launch. But yeah. there you go. Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven Ultimate Edition earns itself a nice silver. That'll do for this particular edition of Idle Game Chat. As usual, nothing more for us to say other than thanks for your time and ta-da. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,
This was a Dimp Digital production.